Welcome to Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport News. This is episode 122, recorded October 17th, 2022. I'm your host, Charles Grant. In this week's episode, is Asa selling or acquiring? Stolen locksmith van recovered. Postal holdup leads to car theft ring bust. First public pick of the Cromer protector. Sparrow's face palm. The Lockpicker 1969 is doing interviews. Lockmaster's Combi Plus Safe Lock Manipulator. Other products, events, meetups, sales, giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of the show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube, Odyssey, or Apple Podcasts. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. Some apps limit the length of show notes and the ability to post links, but you can find full show notes with all the links at thelocksportscast.com. First up in the news, Reuters is reporting that Asset Abloy is considering options, including selling its Yale and MTech lock brands, as it seeks to overturn U.S. antitrust opposition to its planned purchase of Spectrum's hardware and home improvement. This according to what they call three sources familiar with the matter. And of course, at this point, Asa Abloy is denying that rumor, so we don't know for sure if it's true or not, as of last thing I heard. But I will keep you posted if I hear anything else. But if those are those plans, it hasn't slowed them down from doing some other acquisitions. Because Security Info Watch is reporting that Asa Abloy Group has acquired 100% of the shares in Bird Home Automation. Bird Home Automation develops and manufactures IP-based video door intercoms, access control devices, indoor stations, and accessories under the trademark DoorBird. The company's headquarters and production plant are in Berlin, Germany, with sales offices in San Francisco and Jacksonville, Florida. The next story that I have for you is an interesting one. This happened right in my backyard here in uh, Albany, Oregon. And the headline was Stolen Locksmith Van Recovered with All Equipment on Board. And this is an interesting story of how this happened. So, so my local locksmith shop, Albany Lock and Key here in Albany, Oregon, operated by Tim Forster, had a van stolen. When he arrived at the shop on the morning of October 4th, he noticed that one of the company's two service vans was missing. The vans typically were parked in front of the shop in a well-lit area. He hoped one of his technicians had gone on an early morning call, but it wasn't the case. When he checked the video surveillance feed, he saw a guy break the passenger door lock at 4.01 a.m. and drive off in the Ford E250 van. The van is clearly marked with the company's name, logo, and contact information. And he said that according to the video, it looked like the guy seemed to know the lay of the land. He suspects that he may have cased the business or the entire shopping center in advance and carefully kept his face covered and out of view of the security cameras. Forster called the local police, handed over a copy of the video, fearing he'd never see his van again, or more importantly, the $20,000 worth of equipment inside. Police say they recognized the man in the video as part of a group from Salem, Oregon that had been stealing commercial vehicles across town. The next morning, Forster got a call from the manager of a Carl's Jr. in Kaiser, Oregon, about 30 miles north of here. The manager spotted the van in her parking lot and was complaining that it had been left there overnight, wanting it removed. She had no idea it had been stolen, 
Forster called the Kaiser police and got ready to head and got ready to head up there. Fifteen minutes later, the phone rang again. It was the Carl's Jr. manager this time reporting that a woman had just gotten into the van and driven off. Forster again called the Kaiser police and they put out an all points bulletin on the stolen van that had a giant blue key image on the side. After another 15 minutes, police reported that they had stopped the vehicle and arrested the driver. Even better, the key machine, code machine, and tools and inventory were all still in the van. The article says that because of the high crime rate here in Albany and surrounding areas, they are no longer going to be parking their vans at the shop. Forster and another employee will now take them home with them at night. Forster said that he has decided it's time to retire the van, nicknamed The Beast, which has served um, for many years and 279,000 miles. A replacement van is being outfitted and will include tracking devices and an alarm system, all state-of-the-art, to prevent another such incident. So thank you to Jeff Moss for sending this in, because I didn't even hear about this. This was uh, not on my radar, even though I live here. So pretty cool to, to hear that they got that back. An interesting bit of luck there that the Carl's Jr. employee or manager was uh, irritated that the van had been parked there. And since their phone number is right on the side, she was able to call them up directly, which is what uh, led to the series of events that got them all of their equipment back. So pretty cool. It's good to see a happy ending like that. That could have ended up uh, a lot more expensive for the locksmith. The next story up was reported out of Detroit. Uh, Postal worker holdup leads to muscle car theft ring arrests. The story says that thieves are using clone key fobs to steal Dodge muscle cars and other high-powered vehicles directly from dealerships and even automakers in Michigan. For an Ohio-based theft ring, it all came to an end after January holdup of a U.S. postal worker led authorities to connect several men to the brazen car thefts in the Detroit area. Sergeant Jerry Hanna with the Macomb Auto Theft Squad said the thieves in the Detroit area are primarily going after Dodge vehicles with the Hellcat engines, including Chargers and Challengers. Instead of stealing them off the street, they're driving them straight off dealership and assembly plant lots. Just this year, about a half dozen vehicles, primarily Dodge Ram TRX pickups, were taken from a lot outside of an assembly plant in Macomb County. They say thieves have targeted Dodges by using handheld electronic pro pads, a locksmith's tool that can clone keys by plugging into interior ports in the vehicle, according to the federal complaint in the Ohio case. After security measures were stepped up on some lots with Dodge vehicles, more than a dozen 2022 F-150 Raptor pickups were swiped from a plant lot in June in suburban Dearborn. More than a dozen Ford Mustangs were stolen in early September from an automaker's assembly plant in Flat Rock in southeast Detroit. The article continues to say that authorities weren't actually looking for stolen vehicles when they stopped a person suspected in a postal worker holdup in Shaker Heights outside of Cleveland. The postal worker was robbed at gunpoint for his mailbox key. Court records show that a search of the suspect's car and then his home turned up not just stolen mail, bogus checks and credit cards, but also a Ram pickup, a Range Rover SUV, and a Dodge with a Hellcat engine, all stolen. 
The suspect and others were indicted in federal court in Ohio in June. Charges include conspiracy and interstate transport of stolen vehicles, as well as mail theft. Their trials are scheduled for next year. According to the complaint, one of the suspects told the FBI that he and an accomplice had been in contact through Instagram with people in the Detroit area to get stolen vehicles. He said those thieves were selling to buyers in other areas, including Chicago and Indianapolis. The judge stated in a detention order that one of the suspects is accused of driving a 2022 Dodge Challenger valued at $95,000 at 120 miles per hour down Ohio State Route 2 on a Sunday evening in February. And the judge said that spike strips were eventually needed to remind him that the law required him to comply with police orders. The article also gives some interesting details on the history of some of the thefts in the area. They say that about two years ago, police in Ohio's Ottawa County began noticing the vehicles blasting along State Route 2. The sheriff's office got calls about reckless driving, uh, cars going 140 to 150 miles per hour, all with Hellcat engines. They had a lot of hot pursuits, but were unable to catch them all. Investigators learned most of the vehicles were being stolen in the Detroit area and taken to Cleveland. Some were also destined for Memphis, Tennessee. Some of the lots have added security measures, including uh, concrete barriers to try and keep uh, criminals from driving through the fences. One of the tactics they evidently have been using is they'll drive one vehicle through the fence to create a hole and then drive the rest out through that hole. Uh, Last fall, a dealership showroom in northwest of Detroit was broken into. Someone drove a Ram pickup through the building's glass wall and all of the other cars followed suit. Representative for the dealership said that he thinks they were able to find some keys in a desk drawer and just use them to start the cars and drive them through the glass. That particular dealership has come up with what they call an old school solution. They are now installing parking boots on all vehicles with Hellcat engines. Interesting tie together uh, between a couple of different things we've been following here on the podcast. The rash of vehicle thefts, even those with keyless entry. And postal worker holdups. One leads to the arrest of the other. Pretty cool. And this next story I'm calling the Sparrows Facepalm. Sparrows sent out an email to their customers with accounts saying that since they now have a new store platform, some customers seem to be having difficulty gaining access to their accounts on the new platform. And they have a link in the email to follow to go activate your account on the new store. Why would you do that? Why would you encourage people to click a link, click a link in an email to access their account? I I see this way too often and Sparrows should know better. Just tell them to go to the store at Sparrows lockpicks.com and put a link there. This is encouraging people to do things they shouldn't. Don't click links in emails, especially if it's to activate your account or change your password. Unless you specifically said, I want a password reset. Do not click that link and don't send out emails like this to your customers. Just don't do it. Now this, this seems to be a completely legit email. As far as I can tell, But if you received one, I would suggest that 
don't get it in the habit, do not click that link. Just go to the Sparrow's website directly and try to access your account there. Don't click their email links. Don't encourage this bad behavior. Sparrow should know better. Moving on to community news, we have what appears to be the first public pick of the Cromer Protector. This was done by West Lockpicking on YouTube. The description says that this is the first video on YouTube of this lock being picked. It does say that there is one cut in the video because of accidentally revealing his face, but that the full unedited raw video has been shared with others in the community to uh, verify the pick. But the uh, the edit's at the end during the reassembly section anyway, so it doesn't uh, invalidate the pick in any way. He picked it and disassembled it without edit. The description says that the tools used are a piece of custom tubing, adhesive, three bent wires in the shape of a standard lever pick, and two deep hooks, and a two millimeter rod. Goes on to explain that there are several different styles of these locks with different wafer counts and some with false gates and tapered edges. This one has tapered edges and false gates, but a few less wafers than some models, but most of the models with more wafers have uh, don't have the other security features. So anyway, thinks his uh, his method here should work on them all. So very cool. Congratulations to you on that first pick. Uh, West Lock Picking, or I believe Iona West or something like that on uh, the Discord. Very impressive stuff. Uh, he does give a shout out and a thanks to Gravity Karma, Martin Hewitt, Rain, Retep, D&D, Mick, and Zephine for the discussion and encouragement. Always good to see that acknowledgement on there. Again, congratulations. That is very, very impressive. And uh, you should be very proud. Also, congratulations to Albert LaBelle, who announced on Twitter this week that uh, he has reached 20,000 hours of watch time on his YouTube channel. Seeing quite a bit of success over there. Congratulations. And moving on to videos. One, uh, this one has been brought up by multiple people who all seem to really like this, and uh, I'm going to plug it here too. I haven't actually had time to watch these yet, but people really seem to be enjoying them. So the Lockpicker 1969 has started an interview series. Uh, as of this recording, I believe there are three interviews already completed. I also received a note from the Lockpicker 1969 himself about the series, and he says that the goal is to interview everyday lockpickers, lockpick makers, and hopefully locksmiths as well. I figured it would be an interesting way to allow the community to learn about one another, and I am inviting anyone who would be interested in introducing themselves to be interviewed by me and presented in the series. And like I said, these become highly recommended by others in the community. So uh, you should definitely go check this out. I will have a link to the playlist of them in the show notes. That way you can go right over there and find all of them, the current ones that are out and any new ones that he might uh, put up between now and the time uh, you hear this episode. And SE Locking Key is at it again. Uh, those of you who remember the Leashy Cowboy music video. This time we have Locksmith Paradise official music video. The description simply says, what you didn't know you needed until you did R.I.P. Coolio. <laughs> and very, very entertaining. 
always uh, funny and creative as usual. And I, I have no doubt that I'm going to have to try and figure out how to play a clip of this at the Lockie Awards for Funniest Video without a uh, copyright strike or takedown during the stream. So, uh, <laughs> but definitely should go check it out. It is, it is a good video. And then, and another video that will probably make it into Lockie Awards, I, I have no doubt. Um, Abloy Protect 2 picked with off-the-shelf picks. So Reinder picked an Abloy Protect 2 with a combination of standard tension wrenches, picks, and dimple picks. No DD pick. No specialized tools. The amount of work he had to put into actually accomplishing this pick, all the fine control of... Uh, just impressive. Very, very impressive. Uh, you really should go check it out. And I received a note from uh, Chris Capoon last week but I didn't get an episode up last week, but he did a couple of videos on reviewing the Hayashi Abus DD tool that I believe he procured from Lockpick Mall. Uh, in the note, he says, here's a link to my review video of their Abus DD tool. I gave the tool a thumbs down because it doesn't fit any of my Abus DD locks. I sent them an email asking what they could do about it, they wanted pictures of it not fitting, and I sent them some. I also included a link to my thumbs down video. Their response was the factory said the pick tip was a little big and I should file it down to fit. They also said they would refund $5 and I would delete the review video. I asked them when I could expect the $5 and they sent an email saying when I deleted my review video, they would send it. So basically, you can have a refund as long as you don't actually tell people that our stuff doesn't work. I <laughs> this 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 place is not impressing me at all. Uh, he continue he continues. Unbelievable! I posted their response in this video with another link. I will have links to both of these videos in the show notes. By the way, he says, "I know you have a very busy week this week. When you have time, could you share this on the sportscast?" I think you may remember that they are the same company that were selling their knockoff picks sets using the big company's pick kit names to describe their knockoff versions. Sorry, this is so long, but I think viewers need to know how this company operates. And I 100% agree. Right now, I'm going to say there's really no reason why you should go to lockpickmall.com for anything. They're trying to deceive people into buying their substandard knockoffs by using copies of other people's picks with names that imply that they are the genuine article. They are sending out products to people to review, but only if they give positive reviews. They don't, they seem to want to discourage negative reviews in an unethical fashion here. So in this case, it appears uh, Chris paid for his product and they won't even give him a refund until he pulls the review, bad review down. That's just a, uh, completely unethical another video i'm going to recommend you check out is uh, by hks systems lock and safe they put out a video showing the lockmasters combi plus safe manipulator uh, they do it he does a demonstration here with the device hooked up to a safe shows how it works and it's really impressive this is a, a very impressive piece of kit it's very expensive too, but it is very impressive. Anyway, this is a 
This video is called part one, and it looks like there will be more about that particular system coming out from his channel in here in the, here in the future. So uh, go check it out and uh, subscribe if you want to see any more about that particular system. Most of us can't afford and will never have access to one of those. So this is uh, probably the only way you're going to get to see how it works. But one thing you can afford is to head over to Alexander Mundy's channel and check out his video, Safe Combination Lock Manipulation, How to Read a Veneer Scale. Uh, it's a quick video showing how to use and read a veneer scale for an, or as an aid in safe lock manipulation, including a link to a website where you can go to create the, the scale and print it out. I thought that was a really interesting and clever way to go about it. I hadn't actually seen anybody do it that way before. Go over and check that out. Simple, cheap, and effective. Moving on to products. Looks like Hazardous Manufacturing has some new pinning trays. They call the Stash Pinning Trays. They offer both a slotted and a disc lock versions in real wood. The slotted uh, version description reads, with nine slots for pins, a plug pocket, and an expansive tray for miscellaneous small bits, our stash trays excel at pin tumbler locks, measuring approximately seven and a half inches by five and a half inches, and are made from premium, solid, domestic, and exotic woods. The disc version is similar, but says with 28 stepped disc pockets, a plug pocket, and an expansive tray for miscellaneous small bits. Our stash trays excel at disc detainer and pin tumbler locks. This one measuring eight inches by five and a half inches, also made from solid woods. Pretty nice looking trays, I gotta say. Very, very nice quality looking pinning trays. And someone else who makes some very nice looking and quality products, Rat Yoke, announced on uh, Twitter earlier that he is now taking custom orders again and that. The rings are now available to order. There are currently four designs. All are solid sterling silver. There are different options. Two models with keyways. Um, you have an option of straight keyway or one turned about 45 degrees in a picked position. It says that the keyway in the picture he posted uh, is a Corbin keyway, but there's no particular reason why he chose that other than it looks good. If there's a special keyway that you want and you can send him some very clear black and white catalog type illustration of the keyway, he can probably make it. Rings range, it looks like, between $100 and $120 each currently with shipping in the U.S. of $9 and international $20 to $30. Accepts payment through PayPal and orders take two to three weeks to ship. Really cool stuff. Go check that out. Moving on to events and meetups. Much of the same as before, but I do have some new details on the Locktoberfest one, so stay tuned for that here. First up, in uh, roughly chronological order, we have Yankee Security Convention, which is taking place, it looks like, October 19th through the 23rd in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, they have a trade show and classes, including basic locksmithing, electronics, access control, safes, automotive locksmithing, and more. Uh, let's see, DEFCON DC 207 is October 20th 
and John Mitchell Center, Gorham, Maine. And they have stuff, they have locks picking and safe cracking stuff happening there. So be sure to check that out. Secure WV in Charleston, West Virginia, October 21st through the 22nd. And they will be having a lockpick village, it sounds like. Oktoberfest in Chicago, Pumping Station 1 Hackerspace, October 22nd. And Tool Chicago said on Twitter that in addition to the Chicago Locksport Open Pick Contest, they will be running a briefcase decoding challenge and a handcuff escape challenge, both with prizes. They say they will have tools for people to use, but not for sale. Possession of picks, but not bump keys, is okay in Illinois, absent intent to commit a burglary. But transfer is not. It is illegal to transfer. So they can't sell them to you at the show, but they can let you borrow some if you don't have your own when you go check out the Lockpicking Village. St. Con 2022, Provo, Utah, October 25th through the 28th. A lot of stuff happening this month. It's a busy month for Locksport and uh, security conventions. And there will always be some uh, good Locksport and uh, physical security stuff going on there. They have keynotes by Demon Olaf, Stephanie Snow Crothers, and Jason E. Street this year. So check that out if you're going to be in the area. Besides Charleston in Charleston, South Carolina, November 19th. Pacific Hackers Conference 2022, November 18th and 19th. The Hacker Dojo in Mountain View, California. We have two weeks worth of Lockpickers United belts to get through here. So we have a couple new purple belts. We have Nixed and Slim Pickings. New brown belt, the Lock Jock. A new red belt, Lock Fumbler. Uh, congratulations to all of you. Very well done. And then we have one new black belt to announce. B1 uh, earned black belt on October 9th. Did so by picking an Abloy 3020C Classic, an Abloy High Profile, a Dom IX Twin Star, Eva 3KS, an Asa 700, and an Asa Twin 6000. Probably one of the most difficult ways you can get to Black Belt by picking six Black Belt locks, but uh, anyway, very, very impressive. Congratulations on your new Black Belt, and congratulations to all of you. If you're not already familiar with the Lock Pictures United belt system, there are plenty of links in the show notes for this episode and all episodes recently that will uh, point you to what the system is, what the rules are, and how it works. Moving on to speed locks, we have uh, some new records that were posted over the last couple of weeks. We have several new uh, first records, which is the first recorded pick time on a specific model lock. We have the Fischer. Fichet F3D by Do Not Duplicate in 37.104 seconds. The Mauer NW4 by Dependent Quartet 577 in 6 minutes 31.467 seconds. The FTH Surveyor by HV Logic in 28.6 seconds. Illinois Duo by Max Val in 4 minutes 37.043 seconds. The Tessa T60. Uh, by Dependent Quartet in 1 minute 55.966. The MCM AS6 by Dependent Quartet in 56.3 seconds. Brinks Brass Padlock 30mm by Jeff and Things in 6.64 seconds. The Gold P by Dependent Quartet in 54.966. 
Miwa U9 by 206 in 3 minutes, 3.801. Gerda 700 by Dependent Quartet in 1 minute, 51.666. Then we have a new record on the Mako 427 set by Speednut 1 in 3.466 seconds. A new record on the Nimif, Nimif, uh, NF2 by Picksmith in 19.5. Seconds. Uh, Dependent Quartet uh, updated, beat their own uh, record on the Mauer NW4 by then picking it in one minute 25.734 seconds, a big improvement over the initial six minutes of the previous one. So, pretty fast picking there. Congratulations to all of you on your new records. And now it's time to take a quick break. Say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. We'll start with the uh, financial supporters. We have uh, Jimmy Longs, Medler, Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starlock, Williams Brain, Dave to be deciphered, Levon's Locksport Journey, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Anthony, aka Cherell, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, aka Cooltoon, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lockpicker, JHP Picking, Barebones Lockpicking, Deadbolt Cafe, NWA Lockpicker, snake and content producers chief content producer again for this uh week is uh anthony aka terrell other content producers barebones lockpicking chris capoon dmac gravity karma ifisk iona west jeff and things jeff moss joshua gonzalez knock locks lady locks logan's on discord panda frog picksmith se lock and key snake the lockpicker 1969 and tony verley thank you to all of you for your support just remember, this show is only possible because of all that support. So if you value the podcast, please help support it by sending in your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that you think the community should know or would like to know. You can send those to podcast at thelocksportscast.com or any of the other methods listed in the show notes. Anywhere you can find me on social media, pretty much. If you tag me, I will uh, hopefully find it. Don't forget to share the show with your lockpicking friends. Leave a review, comment, thumbs up. Whatever your platform of choice allows, uh, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. If you want to help financially, you can. PayPal, Patreon, Subscribestar are all available. Pick the one you want, but it is absolutely not necessary. If you support the show with either a donation or information I use on the show, I will give you credit in the show and in the show notes, just like the people you heard me discuss. If you want to send me... Uh, stories about things you've done or experiences you've had in Locksport, feel free to do so. Uh, same contact information. If you want to send me feedback, you can use the same contact information you saw before or go to locksportscast.com slash contact for a form. Please keep it polite. Um, criticism is accepted as long as it's polite. If you want it to be public, that can happen. Just be sure to keep it reasonable length, polite, work family safe, no politics, and not just drama. Because I'm playing catch up on all of the news, there's going to be no criminal stories this week other than what you saw at the beginning of the, the episode here. Looks like Peterson's is having a sale on a few different items and has a coupon code, which I will have uh, listed in the show notes, as well as some links to the products that they have on sale. Those expire on October 20th. Looks like they have the GSP flat roll set for Wonder Waves Euro Pick Group, the three diverse gsp hooks three bogeys gsp wonder wave gsp pick group and deep cut access picks on sale southward has a few items on sale on their sale items page so 
Of course, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Looks like the link for Revu Guru's 10% discount at Law Lock Tools is still working. So I'll have a link to his post in the show notes. Barebones Lock Picking has coupon code BONES15 for October for a 15% off store wide, excluding Law Lock Tools. Over at 3DLocksport.com, you can save 10% at checkout with the code LSCAST10. Mako Locks, 15% off if you use the code BYMAKO. UKLockPickers.co.uk, 10% off with the code GIFT. Moving on to giveaways, uh, Snake is having the Snake 200 sub giveaway now that uh, he has 200 subs on YouTube, so congratulations on that. A couple of different ways to enter on that, but only one entry per person. So check out that one. And congratulations to Lady Locks for reaching 300 subscribers. And she's doing a giveaway on her channel. And I'll have you go over there and check out that video for all of the rules. Looks like you can get extra entries in that particular one. So check that out. And that one ends on October 20th. So limited time get over there check it out real quick if you haven't entered already pugs lockpicks is having a 100 subscriber giveaway so congratulations on reaching 100 subscribers pugs pretty simple entry system on that one but also you can get a couple of extra bonus entries if you follow all of his rules so head over there and check that out that one and he says the drawing for that one will be held on october 26th so a uh, little bit of time left on that one, but get over there and check it out before it's over. And a big congratulations to DMAC, 1,000 subscribers. So he's holding the 1,000 subscriber giveaway. And it looks like there are two separate prize packs. There's a picks giveaway and a locks giveaway with slightly different entry rules for each. Uh, that one will be drawn on October 29th. So head over to DMAC's channel and check that out and congratulate him on reaching 1,000 subs. And Panda Frog has reached 2,000 subscribers and is having a 2,000 subscriber giveaway. Congratulations to you, Panda Frog. This one has a lot of different ways to enter, so you're going to have to head over and check that one out. Looks like there's going to be five different ways to enter, and it's going to be through a series of five different videos. So head over there, check that out, watch the video, and figure out how to get entered in that one. The drawing will be one week after the fifth video is released. Barebones Lockpicking is still running the their giveaway. Um, you can head over to the link in the show notes here to get entered in that or head over to their site and follow the links from over there. That one ends on October 31st. Be sure to check it out. The Lockpicker 1969 has been doing weekly giveaways in addition to all the other stuff he's putting out. Uh, is this old lock series, the interview series, is also doing giveaways, so be sure to check out his channel and give him him give him a sub. Knox Locks has been doing bi-weekly giveaways over on that channel, so be sure to head over and check out Knox Locks. Get entered in those. COK Supplies, uh, Locksmith's tool supplier, is also having giveaways. They do every week. They do the hashtag Lockboss giveaways, so be sure to check those out if you're into giveaways. And that brings us to the end of show. So I think there was some confusion uh, about what I was uh, talking about a week, a couple weeks ago. I talked about what I was calling, a, a, I didn't know what to call it at the time. I guess some people call them digital dial magnifiers. It's, a, it's nothing more than an encoder 
physically connected to the dial. I'm not doing anything fancy, nothing that hasn't been done before. What I'm offering to turn over into open source is a set of plans and code and stuff for how to do this yourself. I've I've made a prototype. I'm working on finding the right coupling hardware that I like that works really well without any kind of binding or or problems with misalignment if you don't get things centered up perfectly. But it's just simply an encoder physically coupled to the dial. What it does is it allows you to have a display that gives you very accurate information about where the the dial is down to 140th of a digit. So you can very accurately tell where the safe dial is. Uh, For those of us who have a hard time reading, uh, if you don't want to use the vernier scale, if you don't want to do something like that, if you don't have a big magnifying glass to put in from the dial, which still won't get you this kind of accuracy, like I said, 140th of a number is how accurate this will be. Uh, I've tested it many times. It works very, very well. My plan is to have a write-up of how to do it, um, any soldering that's required to connect the microcontroller to the encoder. Um, I designed a 3D printed case to hold the microcontroller and display on the encoder so there are no loose parts. Uh, Those files will be available a bill of materials for where to order all the different parts so you can just put it together and the open source code would also be available the code is completely separate from anything else i've been working on i wrote this one from scratch in arduino code to be completely open source and mostly microcontroller independent there are a few things on there that are specific to the microcontroller used there are about 3 lines of code that are specific to the microcontroller being used. Other than that, it is is independent of the microcontroller, so you could use a different microcontroller. You just have to convert for the different type of display you'd be using, stuff like that. But the plan is to have it low cost, simple, and uh, easy instructions to follow for anybody who wants to make one for themselves. Nothing groundbreaking, nothing super high tech. I work on the KISS principle when I engineer things. Everything should be simple and easy to operate. So with that said, thank you to everyone who keeps listening. Thank you to everyone who sent in so much information. It was a really bad week for me to have to take a week off because there was so much news coming in and I just didn't have time to record and edit so I couldn't get it done. Um, I still haven't covered everything that came in yet, so some of it will probably get posted uh, on next week's episode. Hopefully I get one out on time then too. Thank you to everyone for your support while I'm busy. I love you all. Take it easy.